This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Irreverent. Entertaining. Cool. You're listening to L.A. Talk Radio. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. I'm a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. You can find me online through my website, nolatherapy.com. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy. And once there, you are able to schedule sessions to meet with me remotely via phone, Skype, or FaceTime from wherever it is that you live. Or you can schedule to meet with me in person at my office in either New Orleans or Los Angeles. <laughs> Secondly, you are able to listen to archived episodes of this show. You can subscribe to this show through the link that's there at NOLA Therapy. And you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube, or all three. And lastly, you can support this show through my campaign with Patreon. It's a crowdfunding site for other podcasters, uh, artists, and authors to be able to fund and, and maintain their show. So it's patreon.com forward slash Lisa Tahir, and there's a link at NOLA Therapy. So my guest today actually is who told me about patreon.com, and I'm very grateful for that. She is someone that I have known for a decade, come 2018. She is an amazing, amazing life coach for therapists, healers, seekers, and dreamers. And she specifically and particularly works to help highly sensitive people and empaths grow into a place of more peace, balance, and fulfillment in their lives in their relationships, as an entrepreneur, and actualizing their dreams. She's a podcaster, a blogger, and uses improv techniques in working with trauma survivors. So I want to give a big welcome to Nikki Eisenhower of NikkiEisenhower.com. Hey, Nikki. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me on. You're welcome. Thank you for being on with us today. How are you? I am fantastic. I am loving Denver, Colorado. It is just starting to cool off a little tiny bit and give a little hint of fall to come, and I'm ready. I bet you are. I know that you're located in the Denver area, and you used to be in Houston, and I'm sure with the storm, your heart's just going out to your old former residence. It is. Many of my clients are in the Houston area still, um, and I work remotely from home as a life coach now. And um, it's been really interesting kind of witnessing from afar uh, what they're going through. Um, you know, brings up Katrina for me. I'm a New Orleans gal, born and bred, yes. just like you. Yes. Yes. And um, it's, it's eerie and sweet and amazing to watch, you know, the humans show up for each other, um, but also like devastating at the same time. So it just in all ways, I think most HSPs kind of feel this way too. It's, it's, I feel all the feelings about it. Yes. And so for, for our listeners to know, just defining some terms, where is it that you want to start? HSP is highly sensitive person. Where Where is a good place for us to start and how you work with people, what you're offering in your live streams and live coaching sessions? Well, I think a good place to start is maybe... Um, my progression. Yeah. Um, I come from a really dysfunctional background and that's part of what, say that again, I couldn't hear you. I didn't. Sometimes we might just hear a little static or little things. Um, oh, okay, good. I so can, I don't I even know. With what that. That. Yeah. Cool. So I started seeing therapists as a very small child, like having night terrors. Uh, my parents were very violent. 
Um, so I had healers and therapists my whole life. And one of the things that I think people don't realize that I didn't realize is that high sensitivity is a new thing we're figuring out. Mm. Um, so as a child, I can look back and really understand from this sort of knowledge point how my high sensitivity really guided me through my life. Yes. Uh, and in working with other healers, so much of high sensitivity is pathologized as dysfunctional anxiety or nervousness or depression. And I think the more that professionals with the best of intentions accidentally reinforced that for me, the more loss I felt. You know, and I'm thinking as you're talking, Nikki, that growing up in the home environment that you did taught you a lot about scanning the environment, the hypervigilance that you had to live in, I think promoted your sensitivity and your empathic levels beyond the norm of a lot of people, which now you're able to use as you have to heal yourself to help and heal others. Absolutely. And that's part of why I'm talking out about my story, because one of the things that's been the most healing in my life is having this incredible vantage point, being a therapist and a life coach. Mm -hmm. I get to see how many other people have come to me through the years and have had the exact same experience in a lot of ways where they come from incredible dysfunction, heartache, heartbreak. And it's taught them how to be observers in their world. It's taught them how to scan a room and be able to see who is maybe an unsafe person or an unsafe situation. But figuring that on your own out on your own is really, really hard. It's really, really hard to figure out. And so it takes finding healers who have a sensitivity and an understanding themselves, I think, to help guide you through because the rest of the world is not highly sensitive. You know, for that 80% that isn't highly sensitive, they do a lot of judging on high sensitivity. You know, we were told that that's weak. We're told to stop crying. We're told to toughen up. Um, we're asked, what's wrong with us? Why are you feeling that way? Are you sure you're not bipolar? Uh, you're crying because the sunset's beautiful. What's wrong with you? You're weird. So, so I think naturally we carry around a lot of judgment that we just pick up and soak up from and how the general world works. Yes, and I'm thinking that we, we judge ourselves. We wonder what's wrong with us. Why are we crying so easily or so often? Why do we feel so deeply? Why can't we just have a tougher skin? Those are things that I've struggled with as well, being an empath and highly sensitive person, also coming from a background with family violence and abuse and, and just wondering how to live in the world and be my authentic self when there are these messages periodically to change, to be different. And, and I've learned that we don't have to be different. It's about really caring for ourselves in the ways that we are highly sensitive. And you have a great seminar coming up, Soul Stream, and your simplified soul care and re resiliency. Um, I mean, you have so much to offer people. So just keep going. Well, I just want to throw that out there. Thank you. That's, that's part of what I coach. So much of life is a forced going with the flow. Um, I had a workshop set up um, to, I think I called it, um, unlock the superpower of high sensitivity because with tools, it is absolutely an amazing superpower. And if anybody is struggling, um, if you're an HSP, you have absolutely gone through periods of time where you wish you weren't as sensitive because it's hard. So some of those tools are how to go with the flow. And when the hurricane hit, I had a... Um, a workshop set up where I was going to go in person down to Houston in the beginning of November. Uh, and my people just aren't going to have the bandwidth to go to that. And I'm a person who went through Katrina. So I had to really dig deep and go, okay, do I want to, do I want to go to Houston right now? Is that the best way that I help myself and help uh, my people and my community that's down there? And yeah. my answer for that for me is no. So I, I changed that and I'm moving it don't have a rescheduled date yet. It'll, we're waiting till the end of the year so that they can clean up. They had a little bit of flooding damage too. Um, so that's part of it is going with the flow of things. So 
letting that go with more ease, you know, years ago for me, that would have been really hard, like redirecting and letting go of something to pick up the next thing. Those are muscles that we need to flex and strengthen. So hurricane hit, I released that workshop and go, okay, what else am I supposed to do from this space? So what I came up with was an online live stream. I'm calling it a soul stream. Um, yeah, I love that. I love it too. Um, I'm, I'm technologically <laughs> kind of spastic. So this will be uh, my first go at this. So I'm sure there'll be some kinks I need to iron out. Um, and that's kind of part of how I teach um, is that I have, a, I have a practical intelligence where I can kind of show you how to do things. It's harder for me to tell you how to do things. Uh, that's part of me being on this show with you is I hope that I can show and model uh, how to flow and how to kind of meet yourself where you are so that you can make the best decisions for yourself. Yes. In the midst of whatever is happening, whatever is arising in the moment. Yes. So half the proceeds for that soul stream, um, I'm going to choose uh, a GoFundMe campaign to be able to directly help uh, an individual or a family uh, and be able to choose that on the day of the live stream next week. So half your donations will go to that too. So you get to help other people while you help yourself bounce back. You help other people bounce back too. That's awesome. I'm on your website so I can let listeners know if you go to NikkiEisenhower.com, N-I-K-K-I, E-I-S-E-N-H-A-U-E-R.com and go to the events tab. It's Soul Care and Resiliency Livestream, Tuesday, September 19th from 9 to 9.50 a.m. Mountain Time. And it's a live stream with 50% of the contributions going to Harvey Recovery. So I think this is a beautiful way that you're reaching out to work with people so they can be wherever they are and just join in to the live stream. That's been a dream of mine to shift from one-on-one work to being able to reach more people. Um, I, I think it's important that as therapists, you know, I, I don't think as, as a therapist and a coach, I don't think we've done a really good job as a profession advertising healing and, mm. and what that is. And for people who grow up, um, a lot of my work is, well, well, let me name my specialties. I guess I haven't done that yet. Um, I have a background in addiction treatment, grief and loss, and trauma work. Um, I'm also trained a trained yoga teacher. I had a small studio for a little while. Um, so I really incorporate like mind and body. You have to get your whole self, not part of you, but your whole self well. Uh, and I, in this kind of advertisement of how do the healing professionals advertise how we heal. And I think for decades and decades, we've advertised healing as a come talk to me for an hour a week, focus on what's absolutely negative, the worst thing that ever happened to you and cry about it. And that's not a good, that's not a good commercial for healing. (laughs) No, no, it's not. (laughs) So (laughs) one of the things that, that I'm passionate about with people is having more fun. You know, we are living in a time and a society where we go so fast and expectations are out of control. We have homing devices through our phones in our pockets at all times. Um, People are not delaying gratification when they want to talk to you. They want to talk to you right now. And that's from our bosses to our coworkers um, to people in our families, our friends. Um, There's a lot of stressors um, that we need to balance out. Um, so I'm, I'm, I love working with therapists and teaching them how to bring more fun and lightness for their clients too. Um, it, there's an amazing healing balm when you allow yourself to know that fun and enjoyment is a therapeutic activity. And I think that's that you, the non-traditional techniques that you've brought into your practice, combining body, mind, and spirit and are so helpful because trauma, and when we say trauma to our listening audience, we mean sexual abuse, physical abuse, domestic violence, emotional abuse, or witnessing those in your childhood and including uh, partner violence, rape, sexual assault. And so a person that experiences these traumas and losses, it affects It affects the individual body, soul, and spirit at every level. So like I hear you saying, Nikki, that healing does need to encompass all areas of our beingness. And that's what you're offering 
to practitioners and providers in your practice and the way that you work? Yes, yes, all areas. Um, I started teaching uh, a different workshop, um, I guess a year and a half ago, maybe now, on how improv can heal childhood trauma. I started. Can you tell us about this? It's so exciting. Yes, well, um, I'm a family, I'm trained as a family systems therapist, and I pull a lot, I would call myself a logo therapist um, after Victor Frankel, who I just love and adore. Um, And logo therapy is the belief that human nature is motivated by the search for a life purpose. And what we know when we study older adults, when we study the elderly, those who have sort of fared well in life, maintain their sanity, uh, maintain um, just life force and happiness, they have purpose and they have maintained a purpose throughout their lives. Um, so we're not really teaching human beings how to have healthiness. Purpose is a major path to that. So if you come from a background with a lot of chaos or a lot of abuse, it is very difficult to hone in on a purpose. How are you supposed to make sense of that? It's just, it can feel and look like just such a big mess that you don't know where to sort it out. Mm-hmm. In those family systems, so as a, as, as a system therapist, I see everything in terms of a system. And a system is like a baby mobile. You know those little baby mobiles that hang yes. over a baby's crib? If yes. they reach up and touch with their foot or hand one little part of that baby mobile, the entire baby mobile moves. And as human beings, you know, we like to think that other people don't affect us or, you know, I'm not affected. The truth is I'm affected if I don't eat lunch. You know, we're affected by what we're around. If you're a highly sensitive person, you're affected more so. So if we look at those family systems, and I think what confuses not just a lot of clients, but also a lot of therapists, is that when a client like me who has sexual abuse history, um, my abuser is currently serving 20 years. I'm very proud of that. Um, I will share my victim statement with anyone who's going through that. We need more support in that, too. It's another area yes. uh, that I advocate for. Um, but everything is a system. So in systems that way, what's hard for people to really understand is that the actual abuses, act, the actual getting hit, the actual witnessing of getting hit, the actual act of sexual abuse, as much as that absolutely needs to be worked through, those are moments. Those are moments that we move through. Some of the other things that happen in those systems are actually more impactful. Mm-hmm. Like one of the things that, and I think this keeps a lot of people from reaching out for help, is good intention. I think a lot of people look at their families, and I had grandparents that I lived with for years who had very, very good intention, very pure good intention with me. Yes. I had my um, mother had lots of siblings. My aunts and, and uncles were very, very good to me growing up, very loving. I had a lot of support in some ways. But also, the, the other, like my grandmother was this very hard kind of German person. And she had two master's degrees and she owned her own business. She owned a bookstore and she pushed education. And she looked at me and my sisters and really wanted us to have structure and really tried to give us from the best of her ability what we needed. Right. But the other side of that coin was that from that very almost like hard German place of there was never any relaxing and everything that I did had to have a purpose. And that was way too much for me. And you were in a stressful environment of an abusive home when you were not with your grandparents, coupled with this performance-based type of environment that I can just imagine it being really overwhelming to your little system as as a young person. Absolutely. So my entire nervous system had no idea how to calm down. So I had to learn how to relax. And, And so when somebody shows up in front of a therapist or a coach or a healer, I don't think they know how to identify the things that they need to work on. Yeah. And part of what therapists are taught is not to tell people what to do because that robs them of their own personal ownership over the process. And I believe in that. However, if you're very lost or your nervous system has no idea how to chill out, we need our healers to kind of step in and say, hey, stop, stop, 
Yes. Take a breath. And be more directive. Be more directive and, and hands-on, so to speak, in, yeah. in a way that, that, that works with the client, that, that jives with their way of being and what their needs are and respecting their boundaries, of course. Absolutely. And that's very, very scary for someone who grew up with an abuse history. It's very scary about how do I know how to pick a therapist? If your nervous system does not know how to relax, you are walking around exhausted. I spent so many years absolutely exhausted, absolutely exhausted. And someone would make a suggestion like, well, why don't you interview three therapists? The amount of energy that it took to even find three therapists to choose their names, to then make phone calls, to then schedule those phone calls, to then interview and then not knowing how to pick just that process was very, very tough. So even as a coach, sometimes I work with someone once or twice just to help get them to a traditional therapist in their area, just to help them pick the person that they need to pick. So even, so it's part of why I want my voice out there, even though I'm an introvert, even though it scares the hell out of me to share my story. um, I am not an exhibitionist in that way. I'm not an extrovert, but I do feel very strongly that my calling in life is using all aspects of my story to help better the world. So even if people never, ever pick up the phone or email me or schedule a session with me, I hope what they can take from me are maybe a little more confidence in their pocket about being able to choose someone who resonates with them And it doesn't have to make so much sense through their head. You know, like one of the notes that I wrote down to talk to you about today was this difference between feeling and thinking. Okay. And I think what happens to a lot of feelers who have so many feelings to feel is that we try to process them through our brains. And what happens there is those are feelings. And no one teaches us from HSPs to regular processing nervous systems. No one really teaches us in our elementary school years, hey, what do you do with feelings? You feel them. And that sounds so obvious when I state it like that. But as as an especially in American culture, we have no idea how to do that. So we we spend so much time walking around trying not to feel the uncomfortable feelings. There's so many lessons inside of those uncomfortable feelings. And so when we when we when we just let ourselves feel the feelings, they move through and they leave us. And we strengthen those muscles to be able to feel the next set of tough feelings with a little more ease. Just the same way the very first push-up I ever do in life is going to feel excruciating and awful and bad form and am I doing it right? The only way to get good at the push-ups is to keep doing them. And the only way to get better at feeling your feelings, processing your feelings, moving through all the feelings that this life throws at us is to learn how to feel them and to get better, strengthen those muscles at feeling them and moving through, just like that push-up. Yes. The the thoughts are there for us to think. It's only when we take our feelings and we try to make sense of the feelings. When we're trying to think through our feelings, we start to feel crazy. Yeah, because there's a disconnection that that starts to happen in in looking at thoughts versus feelings and the different ways that they are experienced in our bodies and placed in a culture. We are in a culture that values distracting from our feelings and promoting thoughts to make things faster, more efficient, uh, more direct. And and I think at the same time, there is this call. I, I sense it in just the, the culture at large, to slow down somehow. I, I think that people really do want to be able to pause and technology has just gotten so big and almost out of control in some ways that I think oh, we yeah. will come back to more beingness. And I think that's why there's so much mindfulness, meditation, and, and alternative spiritualities in the dominant culture as well right now because I think we're trying to find our balance between the thinking and the feeling. Oh, absolutely. And I do believe that the HSPs of the world are leading the way. I I do. I think they're leading the way because they're feeling this. So I think in a way we're choosing now to do this work 
and to figure ourselves out and to figure out the systems in our own lives and to figure out boundaries and limits and um, how to not let perfectionism torture us, how to let go. Like we're, we're doing that work. And I do believe I'm right there with you. I believe that the pace of the world, the pace of technology, the expectations, I, I think we're, humanity is going to have to hit some kind of wall with that. And so I think some of us are going to choose the mindfulness and I think others are going to be forced into the mindfulness as they just kind of crash out. It's not and burn out. Right. Absolutely. So if I, if I, if we look at improv, right, like how do I get from, all right, you're traumatized. You've had all this tough stuff. What I can tell you from my own experience is that when your, your system is fried, when you're suffering from post-traumatic stress symptoms, part of what's really hard to do is to be present in the moment. And my system, all those years that I struggled really hard with those feelings, my system was not trying to torture me, but man, can it feel like my dreams and desires for hope and peace are in a fight with my body. Yeah. So making peace with that and understanding that my body was not trying to torture me or exhaust me. My body was trying to say, Hey, bad things have happened to you. I want you to be hyper vigilant. I want you to make sure that other bad things aren't going to happen. Mm-hmm. The flaw in that body logic is that I'm alive, so bad things are going to happen. Because that's so been the that, dominant experience at some point in a household of abuse, that no matter what periods of peace that there may be, that something is going to change and it will be bad. And then we take that into our adulthood. And like you said, yeah. the actual violence, the abuse itself does need to be processed. Yet what really lingers are the destabilization and one somatic reaction, body mind alignment, and in trust, a, a lack of ability to trust that the world is safe, that people are safe. And um, it just caused a whole host of being in the world and but not being your authentic self because you're scared to be at some level. So you covered up yes. all kinds of other things and masks and, and ways of being in the world. Yes. And one of the saddest things to me is when I meet a fellow survivor and they are in this headspace of, I don't know my true self because most of what I have felt in my life is fear. And so isn't that my true self? Because that's, that's what I'm the most familiar with. And I just want to shout from the rooftops, that is not your true self. That is your fear. That is an absolute normal response to trauma. And so if we can kind of hold multiple truths, that's a phrase that I use a lot with clients. We have to hold multiple truths. You know, I had to learn how to hold the multiple truths of my body is on hyper alert because of these things that have happened to me. I have to hold the other truth that my space right now where I am is also safe and my body doesn't know how to feel the safety there. I think sometimes it can feel like boredom even to a person that lived in a traumatic environment when we do create peace in our lives. I know for me, I would feel depressed and I had to really reframe that, that Lisa, you've created actually a peaceful, beautiful life that's calm. You know, things are not just erupting traumatically or disruptively. And this is calm. This is peace. So I had to really retrain my central nervous system to accept peace. Have you found that in, in work with your oh, yes. clients and in your own absolutely, life? Absolutely. Absolutely. In myself and in most of my clients. Absolutely. And retraining is the absolute, I, I think, perfect word for it. It is a retraining of your system. It is a retraining of all the faulty things you were taught. And one of the things that we have to learn is, oh, this is what peace and calm feels like because it's uncomfortable. I had never felt that and in an entire, um, oh, this is something I can share too. Even from my birth, if we look back, I, I'm Catholic in New Orleans. Um, I was not supposed to live. I was anointed and then given um, the last sacrament um, of death. They prepped me to die because I wasn't expected to live. So wow. having near-death near experiences is one of those things that's supposed to kind of bust your high, your high sensitivity wide open. So 
even even finding out about HSPs helped me make sense of my very early life trauma that I, I absolutely cannot have a conscious memory of. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think learning, so from day one for me, my little bitty baby system was fighting and struggling just to, just to be in the world. Um, and absolutely, yeah. I had to teach myself that peacefulness is okay. And it's part of why if therapists don't and, and coaches and healers don't really deeply understand what they're helping their trauma survivor learn, they can make progress with someone and then somebody jumps off the deep end. We've got to do better at talking very directly with trauma survivors on guess what? Your system is used to high stress and high tension. If we take that away from you, you absolutely don't know what to do. It's like I dropped you on some kind of planet you've never been on before and you're supposed to figure that out. And what's right. the feeling we know how to feel the most? Panic. So you here you go. Somebody has wanted and wanted and wanted peace. You give them peace and then they panic. That seems like a cruel trick. Right. So how do we practice that in real life? And I have found that things like improv are amazing. Now, why? If we look at my family system, it was hard to feel safe even with adults who were absolutely safe for me because... I was getting abused within the home. Mm-hmm. That's a confusing thing about how the adults around me could not pick up on that and were either ignoring their own intuition or maybe believing a lot of those maybe human to human things that aren't very healthy, you know, like, oh, it's not my place to say something. Right. You know, a, a lot of those things. Oh, it's not my That's place. private. Yes. 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 Oh, I, I will piss off those parents if I say something to this kid. Um, so I'm absolutely the person in the world who I will report child abuse. I will say something if I see a parent yes. smack a kid in the grocery store. Um, I am that kind of, I will set my foot in it enough to kind of stand in front of a child and say, hey, I see you and this is not okay. I have I to. I used to work for Yes, I used to work for child protection, doing groups with kids, and and I've just spoken out like I'm with child protection. Like, stop doing that. What are you doing? Just like an automatic reaction to what? Are yes. and I'm not with child protection now. It just kind of came out recently. I was just so horrified to see this poor child being hit in that way. So yeah, that resonates yes. with me as well. Yeah, to say something and do something. Absolutely. And especially knowing, and this is one of those realities that the general population does not want to deal with. Most of the atrocities that are happening to children are happening behind closed doors. Right. And there, there is direct abuse, physical and sexual abuse, but there is also tremendous emotional neglect happening in our country. Uh, and so it, for so many reasons, like we are either neglected or traumatized like in small scale and in large. So when we do something like improv, okay, my muscles, think about it like this. My muscles to be in the present moment were very, very weak because when I would, an actual act of abuse, part of how my system took care of me and has taken care of so many people with abuse histories who are listening to this right now is that it sent me away. When people dissociate, when they feel some depersonalized feelings, it's like how your computer goes into sleep mode. It's still on, but it's kind of off. When we are in an actual trauma, and this may have even happened for people experiencing flood trauma who felt like their lives were in danger or were even watching people maybe in those circumstances. We are, oh no, I lost my train of thought. Wow. About dissociation, how dissociation was there, I think, in childhood to protect us, that we could not truly be in the moment of things that were being done to us, in front of us, to our loved ones. So we went somewhere else. We left our bodies and went to another place, space that was very proactive and it was very adaptive and creative. Yet as adults, it it can be really damaging. It can cause us to distance from our feelings and do things that hurt other people, like in the same way we were hurt, it can cause us to uh-huh. not be present and have emotional health issues as a result. So I think that's where you're going and how improv draws an individual to the moment in the present. Yes. 
Yes, yes, because I think we, we naturally, like we know about meditation, meditation is great. And we will tell someone with a trauma history, oh, you should meditate. What we fail to tell them is, hey, closing your eyes and going into soft, safe space, that might terrify you. And we wonder why our trauma survivors resist meditating often. When you go to improv, part of what happens there is you get to strengthen the muscle of being in the present moment because you don't have a chance to think. And because you are in a room, not just by yourself, where it's easy for your mind to go away, especially if it practices that a lot, or you're not just in a room with maybe one therapist where it might be even a little scary to close your eyes with that person, especially if you're in the beginning building rapport and safety with them. So here you are in this room full of people where generally your psyche understands nothing bad is going to happen. This group of people showed up to have fun with each other and laugh. What a beautiful collective goal. So out of the gate, you have that beautiful collective goal and you're showing up for improv to laugh and to have fun. When you get pulled into a skit, like I sweated from head to toe, like drenched because I grew up with a lot of harshness, you know, separate from actual abusive things, a lot of harshness, a lot of coldness, a lot of what's wrong with you. Why judgment are you doing and it criticism. that way? Judgment and criticism. I, I remember a beating for putting the, a spoon in the dishwasher upside down. Mm, right. Yes. If, if putting a spoon a certain direction <laughs> can get me into trouble, it's not a far leap to understand how standing in front of a crowd, opening up to judgment, terrifying. Yeah. Even course. if the person next to me doesn't understand that at all. So when you when showed up for improv, I had already done tremendous healing. Even within that tremendous healing, I still sweat. That judgmental criticism piece, I think, is one of the ones that sticks for most people just so deep when it happens. In our development, and we might have to work with it. I think, ongoingly, in the different ways ongoing. that it shows itself in our thoughts. Yes, I would agree. Ongoing. Um, the amazing Judith Orloff like really helped me with that piece of just really radically accepting that may be a little part creep up for me till the end of my days, and radically yes. accepting that is a huge part of finding peace around it and nurturing myself through it. So here I am, if you're considering this kind of wacky improv that I'm suggesting to help yourself heal, then you too will find yourself in this moment of, oh shit, now I'm supposed to be funny and I'm, I'm having a little panic. The beautiful right. thing about improv is that they celebrate failure. Mm, that's awesome. There are, there so are there, awesome improv games so where you're supposed okay. to fail. It's all wow. Okay. And, and for people in those tough family systems, or even if you've married into a tough family system later in development, um, if you've had relationships um, with narcissists or sociopaths, all of that is about high critical vibes. And to heal from that, opening up to, wow, I get to fail. And actually failing is celebrated. To me, there is no, there is nothing that can happen between therapist or coach and and therapist in session that allows you that much support within your failure. Yes. Which is so healing. That's, that's profoundly healing at the core. Profoundly healing. One of the things that I love about this profession that I don't believe clients understand is how much they have helped me heal. And how much I believe that they help in-tuned therapists evolve and heal. So part of what happens when, as a therapist, you encourage your clients to go do improv. For yourself as the therapist, you have changed those sessions. That person then gets to come to you and say, guess what? This is what happened in improv. I cried and I did it anyway. And this is how it felt. And then everybody clapped and I sat down and I had to sit with those feelings of acceptance, even though I felt like I had failed and should have been punished. And 
So it changes instead of dwelling on maybe what is really, really tough or dark for the client and the therapist, it brings a lightness into the therapy for the therapist too. Average therapist burnout is two years. I've been doing this for 12. You've been doing it way longer than I have. 20, yes. So for therapists and for clients, I, I believe that we have got to come up with some better ways of healing. And in this emotional stuff, here's the problem. We have been pushed and pushed and pushed towards evidence-based science. Of course we have. That makes perfect sense. Everyone can understand why we've looked to science to justify our healing techniques so that it's not snake oil. I get that. I respect it. But in terms of feeling, we cannot measure our feelings scientifically. We cannot do it. And I refuse to accept that because science cannot measure something, that it should be thrown away. And so I, th- so I believe that the HSP therapists and, and people in the world are really doing the work to make peace with our intuition and the sense of our feelings and feeling them and letting them guide our growth as what we need. So what I hear you talking, yes, it does. What I hear you talking about is the validity of experience-based processes, experience-based modalities, as opposed to science-based, research-driven, et cetera, that people doing alternatives, participating in alternative methods of healing feel better, their lives look better by the fruits of their lives, they're happier, more productive, and healthier relationships, being able to contribute to the betterment of their world, and that this is something that HSPs and empaths are are speaking out and, and doing things about now, more and more and more. Absolutely. It's exciting. It's, it's a really, really exciting time to kind of find your tribe. Yeah. You know, and I want to jump in because I think you're being really modest. You offered a wonderful workshop here that my mentor, Deborah Volker, an amazing licensed clinical social worker that mentored me for years, attended. And it was on improv. And and you've taught extensively. You podcast. You blog. So you do so much more. So I really encourage listeners to go to NikkiEisenhower.com to book a session, to read your soul care journal participate in an event you're just really putting yourself out there in different ways and and you have the background you have the education and the experience professionally personally academically you did run a yoga studio in houston that was really well attended and supported so you're able to really now i think combine all of it i'm just really excited to see over time what what you put out there how does it feel i'm excited it, it feels amazing, and I, have we mentioned this yet? Well, you have been an amazing healer and therapist and coach in my life, and you've inspired me to show more of myself because, of course, there was the healing that we did in session, but some of the most impactful things from your work with me, I remember very early on you said, I'm taking a month off, and I thought, my God, a therapist cannot take a month off. What about all her clients? <laughs> And in that moment, I realized that you showed me just by taking a vacation and getting the hell away from me for a little while (laughs) that I could be okay in that space. And it gave me an incredible permission to take care of myself in that way, too. From you taking that vacation, it was you going to Bali to surf. I thought, oh, yes. Wow. I thought, wow. I can take care of myself in that way. I had never seen someone prioritize their wellness that way before. Thank you, Nikki. I remember that was uh, hard for me. I had to work with my therapist on, am I letting my clients (laughs) down? And then coming to a place where, you know, if I'm not taking care of myself, like you were speaking about earlier in the show, if we are not refilling our love tanks, taking care of our emotional needs, physical needs, spiritual needs, we are useless to the people we work with and can actually do harm to them. So I think it is important to be mindful of what we do require on a daily basis, on a weekly basis with taking time out for ourselves so we can really be our best selves 
And I would say you have helped me, Nikki, in knowing you for almost 10 years and, and really wanting to like up myself, like really improve and really dig into my healing. You have been such a monumental inspiration in the way that, that you prosecuted your perpetrator. And then again, when he came up for being released and um, just the way you have been in your family for your sisters and with your clients really stepping outside of the boundaries of what traditional therapy has been and taking those risks with fear. Is a client going to report me to the board or what is my (laughs) colleague going to think and really stepping out in some new ways and profoundly affecting people, including myself. So thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa. That was, it was such a powerful moment to have your mentor in my workshop because I, I so believe that's how it works. Like we are part of a lineage and it it was just beautiful because I was able to say, you know, well, you broke those boundaries too. You told me in one session, I love you. And that has given me such a permission because this profession is loving and I love you too. And you validated my intuition and helped me on my journey to understand the difference between intuition and anxiety and the actual real love. So if you're listening out there and you have ever wondered, does your therapist love you? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) If you have felt that and wondered, absolutely. And it scares the hell out of therapists to admit that because we're taught that something's wrong with that. And it's just not true. Most of our human pain comes from other humans. And our human healing also comes from other humans. So I am, I am so proud to have been your student of life and to keep passing that on. And my clients have Thank absolutely you. informed my growth, too. Thank you so much for having me on. You're welcome, Nikki. I have been your student in life as well and continue to just be amazed at all you've done in a short amount of time with the way you're doing your live streams and training other therapists for CEUs. And um, what is it that's some of the most important things for you next that you are planning, working on for listeners to know and be able to, to look for through your website? Well, I have no idea when I will get these things out. If you're interested in me and my work, come sign up for my newsletter. They're infrequent. I'm trying to do them more frequently. Um, I am working on some online workbooks and more live streams. Um, The next workbook that I'm going to work on is how to decide whether to have children or not. I recently made the decision not to, and uh, that has been huge for me, and I am very happy and at peace. And I I think we need more models for alternative life routes that are okay. And so that is one of the workbooks I'm working on. Uh, And I'm, I'm working on more of how to teach people about the difference between intuition and anxiety. So that will be coming up I love in my streams shortly. And, and you know, because it can really feel that way. Intuition, having an intuitive download, perception, idea can feel sometimes just confusing. Like, what is this? And learning to trust what your instincts are. So I think that's a really important workshop and live stream for people to tune into. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Is there anything else that you feel like we have a couple minutes that might be important for our listeners to know? I know we set the intention in the beginning that people hear what they need to hear. I would encourage therapists who feel called to share more, to do their their own really, really deep work. Um, There's absolutely space. And, and I've had those therapists who did not understand the art form of sharing their story to help heal their client. They absolutely took up the space that should have been mine in the room. There is a, yeah. there's an art form to being able to share your story and teach clients how to not carry your story um, and to learn from it. Because um, that's part of what they're going through in their own lives. How do we be highly sensitive people and empaths and hear the stories of other people without carrying the load? That is an art form. It takes muscles. It takes skill. If you're interested in that as a therapist, um, if you are working for an organization as a therapist that absolutely disrespects every boundary and limit you have as a human being, start now figuring out a way to craft your life and your profession to what you need it to be. And don't be scared to take those steps and to yes, and to seek out 
other mentors who are doing work that resonates with you uh, because they're, I think what we're missing in humanity right now is like mentorship and apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. And I think and how that's part of that what, is. yeah. And I think healers and therapists and coaches have such a responsibility and calling to fulfill in the world um, that, so that we're, we're doing some human to human apprenticeship. Um, and to, to know that that's okay, that, that, that the world needs that work. And if you feel called to do it, you can figure out how to do that. And it doesn't have to be like the other therapists that, you know, it can be different and you can find what resonates with you and it will resonate with the people that you're meant to work with. Yes. You'll feel that. Nikki, thank you. Thank you for being with us today. Nikki Eisenhower. Her website is Nikki, N-I-K-K-I, Eisenhower.com. And this show will be up on our professional Facebook pages, on Twitter, LinkedIn, and I'll email you uh, your copy of it to, to send out to your tribe. Oh, thank and you. Thank Nikki, you. Thank and you. My and I do is- love you. Oh, I love you, too. I love you, too. Thank you so much, Lisa. And what are you going to say about your last name? It's crazy. It has all the vowels. It's E-I-S-E-N-H-A-U-E-R. So if you're trying to find me in camp, that's why. NikkiEisenhower.com. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks, Lisa. You too. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye. That concludes our show for today. I hope that everyone has a really good week and tune in next week. Bye-bye. Listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir.